there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, and Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Monday night, time to claim a national title. But on this show, Alex Jewell, it's all about football. That's right, Greg. In the midst of all of the spring sports, it's also been spring football the last couple of weeks. And we are quickly approaching the annual spring game at Eastern Michigan. And boy, I'll tell you, in my time here, it's gotten more and more ramped up each and every year, especially as this program has continued to get better. And I think we've got a pretty fun spring game experience, Greg. And so fans on April 14th can come out on Friday night and really enjoy this football team. Every year, the team's gotten better. There's been a little bit more action that you get to see. And there's also some fun promotions going on as well. So it's time we talk a little bit of football and give everybody what they've been wanting, a little bit of a revisit to Coach Creighton and some others, and talk about this team because I think, if anything, we know that expectations are going to be high in 2023. Yeah, you look at a team coming off a 41-27 victory over San Jose State in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. It's a squad that returns 45 letter winners, that 15 starters from a season ago. Lots of things that uh, the people are intrigued about some of which we'll get into this show. We've seen a lot of of change on the coaching staff. There's going to be five different new coaches in place. You got a new defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator, Coach Creighton handing off the reins in that aspect. But a lot of faces that we're very familiar with that, that come back, but some departures as well that will be big holes to fill. And that's what people will be eyeing in this spring game as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and it's one of the things that, uh, you know, I talked to Coach Creighton a little bit about it in the interview that you're going to hear today, but it's one of the things I think that comes with having a better football program, right? And sometimes when you're better, you have more challenges in certain areas. And one of them is if you have an established program, 
a lot of the times, different teams want your coaches. They want a little bit of the elixir that you've been putting together to have better results on the field. We see it with players too, and uh, not so much at Eastern Michigan yet, but we've seen it with some of the smaller level college players that end up going to bigger programs, especially with the transfer portal and NIL. But same thing with coaches, right? If you have more success, people are going to want a piece of what's driven that to success. We see that all the time with new head coaches getting hired and whatnot. So no surprise that Eastern Michigan has garnered a lot of attention in their staff. Now, five different coaches, uh, that's, a, that's a, a big change this year. But one of the things to highlight too, Greg, is that three of the coaches are going to NFL teams. And that is pretty impressive when you think about if the NFL thinks highly enough about what you're doing at the college level to go and pluck you, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it certainly is. You look at it, you've got some new faces. Ben Needham, in his sixth year on staff, he switches to, to D.C. and now linebackers coach taking over for Neil Nethery. We'll talk to him in this show. Mike Yakowski. His fourth year, but first year is the full offensive coordinator, but new coaches on staff, defensive ends. you got Bo Alexander. You've got Tate Omley as the safeties coach now. You've got Isaac Reed at running back, and you got Jerome Steckel at defensive tackles, and that doesn't even count. Still adding a wide receivers coach that we don't know who that will be yet. Uh, some some new fresh faces that change is good in a lot of ways because it keeps refreshing. And these guys, some of them are very familiar with Coach Creighton as well. Yeah, I think that's where it gets really interesting. It's all about the challenge for Coach Creighton to bring in new coaches is finding the right balance. And so you've got to try to find guys that are going to inject some life into positions. Not that that hasn't been there, but with, with new coaches, you've got to find coaches that are going to kind of put their own stamp on things. And so sometimes it's great to go outside of your program to find coaches similar to what the NFL teams, for example, are doing by plucking Eastern Michigan coaches, finding coaches that have done things from a different perspective, and how can they inject some new things into the Eastern Michigan program, keep it fresh, keep it vibrant. A great example of that is Deontay Mack on the strength and conditioning side of things. Last year, we talked to Coach Creighton about all the changes they were introducing. Not that it was a slight on what Fred Hale was doing here with his program, but just differences and how that energized some of the players and how that led to different results. The same thing can be true with position coaches. So getting someone like a Jerome Steckel, like a Bo Alexander, who have been with different programs and had success, how do they bring what they know to the Eastern Michigan program and build upon the foundation that Coach Creighton's had for 10 years. But also there's some value too in going to get somebody that has maybe left the nest and come back after gaining some experience. So someone like Tate Omley, who is a graduate assistant here, he knows a lot of the program's kind of core values and tenets. He knows what it's like to work with Coach Creighton, but he's gone off for the last couple of years and gotten really good experience as the defensive coordinator at Hutchinson Community College, which is a national champion. They just won the championship this year and is well known as one of the better junior college programs in all of the country. Country. So he has a great mix of knowing what the program's about, but there's also been some changes since he's last been here, but it'll be easy for him to come in and hit the ground running already knowing what the program's all about. So I think Coach Creighton's done a nice job in finding that balance. Like you said, we're going to have to see who the wide receivers coach is, but that's one of the challenges that Coach Creighton has every year is finding the right guys to come back and backville the coaches who have left, who have obviously done a really nice job if they've been able to move on. Well, speaking of replacements, uh, when it's just as much you look at coaches, they've got some holes to fill because two guys, and of course, no interview without either of them would be complete without asking about the two guys that the scouts are salivating at the NFL level, and that's Jose Ramirez and City So. Uh, both guys have excelled at pro days and combines. Uh, Coach Grayton and Coach Needham both got to go to Vegas and, and take in those festivities. Uh, so they, again, speak highly 
of those guys, but uh, the cabinet's not bare by any means. No, a lot of guys that you may not know their name on an every down basis yet, but think about it. A couple of years ago, nobody knew who Jose Ramirez was. Nobody knew who City Saw was, and really cities started to get national attention in the last month or so, and uh, we've known a little bit longer what he could do, but it's all about filling that cabinet, like you said. And the nice thing is, is that is a huge advantage right now. Coach Creighton says it best. There's some advantages to being someplace for not a short period of time. And so Eastern Michigan's got a lot of things moving forward in the right direction. It can be a little nervous at times, right? When you don't know who that next person is, but rest assured those next people are there. And there's nobody better to talk about those next people than Coach Creighton and Ben Needham, who, uh, as you already mentioned, has stepped into the defensive coordinator role. And we get both of those two on the show today. Lots of football. We've certainly certainly talked about already. We know you're waiting to get the interviews, but Alex, you got to fill us in on what happened over the weekend. Yes, I do. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back with a rundown of what happened over the weekend. Lots of good for Eastern Michigan. And then don't worry, we'll get right back into football. We're only about a week or so away from the spring game. So time to get football on the mix. Coach Creighton, Ben Needham coming up after this break on the Eastern Insider Podcast. You already know Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan gives you access to the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. What you may not know is that with our 24-hour nurse line, online visits, whole health support, urgent care, and more, you can access the care you need whenever and wherever you need it, giving you the confidence in knowing that you're covered anytime, anywhere. We're here for it all and always will be. Learn more at hereforitall.com. Back with you here on the Eastern Insider Podcast, Alex Shul taking you through a rundown of the events that took place over the weekend. And let's start with track and field, because if you were trying to follow on social media, you'll know that it was a trio of events for Eastern Michigan this past weekend. Part of the team in Texas at the Texas Relays in Austin. That is a major track and field event. This was the 95th running of the Texas Relays. A lot of those same student athletes also traveled back and forth to San Marcos, Texas for the Bobcat Invitational hosted by Texas State University. And then some of those same athletes still flew back up to Michigan to take place in the Spartan Invitational, which was on Friday. Some of the athletes that did not go to Texas were also there at uh, the East Lansing-based meet. So a quick note on some of the things that happened in track. One of the big takeaways, Angel Gasaway on the women's side, first place finish in the 100-meter hurdles at the Texas Relays. Again, that's a big deal. A lot of competitors, a lot of different heats at that relay. And she took first place in that event with a finish of 13.58 seconds. That time also ranks sixth in Eastern Michigan. Michigan history. So congratulations to her on that accomplishment as well. A lot of other different personal bests that took place and top 10 finishes. If you want a full recap on what happened with track and field, make sure you visit emueagles.com and check out the track and field page. You can find a full recap of everything that happened there. Friday was also a big day for the EMU tennis team. Greg and I talked about it a little bit in the open, the success that they've had. Well, they picked up a big win over Western Michigan, and that was in Kalamazoo. And I'll tell you, it was a big win because just a week earlier on uh, Friday, March 26th, they played Western Michigan at home and lost 5-2. to two. Well, they rebounded with a nice 4-3 to three win over the Broncos on their home court for Eastern Michigan. It was the first win at Western Michigan, so in Kalamazoo, since the 2002 season. So congratulations to Lee's Michigan tennis team. Ella Chamati, she was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the NCAA regional in Pittsburgh where she competed on the beam and finished with a 9.900 score there. So congratulations on her successful season. Led in the beam for the Mid-American Conference the vast majority of the season and certainly prevailed there. For baseball, it was a tough weekend. They took three losses at Ohio. Game one got delayed until Saturday because of weather in Athens. 
They were up 6-0, excuse me, 5-0 in the first game on Saturday night. Unfortunately, the Bobcats able to battle back with hot offense in the late portion of that game. And then yesterday, a pair of a pair of uh, close games and a doubleheader. Unfortunately, though, it was the Bobcats that prevailed in both of those. So Eastern Michigan with work to do. They play Tuesday night against Akron. That's going to be a non-Mid-American Conference game against a team that, of course, is in the Mid-American Conference. If you remember, though, baseball opened the max season against Akron March 10th through the 12th. They took two of the three games from the Zips. So this one will just be a normal midweek game. It will count towards the regular season records. Also want to mention that lacrosse played on Sunday. They uh, took on Detroit Mercy and took a tough loss uh, 17 to 7. That was Saturday, excuse me, uh, in Detroit. So lots of things that happened this past weekend. Lots more to come this week. But as Greg and I mentioned, first, it's interviews to talk about spring football. Chris Creighton and Ben Needham coming up on this side of the break. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. We've known him a long time for being part of the staff, but for the first time, officially the defensive coordinator and now linebackers coach Ben Needham. Well, first off, how's the spring been with you now running the defense? It's been a blast. Uh, Guys have a lot of energy and there's some carryover from our players, but we have a number of new coaches too. So there's just a lot of energy and new ideas flowing and uh, guys are having fun with it. How much different is it for you to have to think in that perspective to go, Okay, last year I was D-line. Now I'm going to be linebackers and think everybody, not just about the position I'm working for. It definitely is an adjustment. I give a lot of credit to uh, Coach Neil Nethery, my predecessor, because he certainly incorporated uh, all of us in the game planning. So it was always part of our mindset, but having it all uh, kind of rest on my shoulders is an adjustment, and so far it's been good. Is it more of a challenge for the student athletes or is it a benefit from your perspective to be taken on this new role? A lot of the guys have known you again, as your, their position coach, as somebody that's been a part of the staff now in that leadership role, how has that changed for the student athletes from their perspective? It's a bit of a change, uh, probably mostly for the linebackers having a different coach, the defensive ends and defensive line that I was closely involved with, not that different for them. Um, But I think in some ways, the strength of this program has been the continuity. Coach Creighton being here for going on 10 years and I'm going into six years. So there's a lot of familiarity with uh, the guys that are that are doing this now. We've been we've known for a while. What's before two five? What's what Coach Nethery ran? What would you say your base is now going to be? We still base out of four down and uh, we play a little bit more cover one than we played in the past. We majored in quarters. And so we are going to play quite a bit of man coverage and we have to be good at that. So it's been good work this spring against our receivers. How is that similar to what you ran last year or even when you were the DC at Kent state? Yeah. For the, for the last nine games of the season last year, uh, we did play quite a bit of man. So there's quite a bit of carryover for our guys this spring from how we finished the season. When you look at this, you're a linebacker crew that returns the two starters, but you still have some new faces out there. How do you best try to get Chase and, and Joe still the reps they want, but still balance bringing some new guys in? It is a balance uh, because even though those guys are returning starters, they have a lot to improve on and a lot of work to do. And then we have to have guys that are going to be able to take reps off of them. So um, we're moving guys to some different positions. We've played with some three linebacker sets to get about 50% more. Um, and so, yeah, it's always a balancing act every practice. When you look at your D-line, everybody always looks Jose, Jose, Jose. Jose's going to be in the NFL. We know that. It's just a matter of time. 
What's the biggest thing for you on this defensive line to start looking at developing and, and really getting ready for the fall? We have to develop a pass rush. And that's part of the reason we were able to play so much man coverage the back half of last year is we had a good pass rush. And so with Jose gone and Grant gone, um, we've got to be able to find edge rushers and interior rushers that can get us pressure and affect the quarterback. Greg talks about Jose. We know your relationship with Max Crosby. All of those things are important when it comes to the recruiting side of things. And also for the players that are here right now, talk a lot about the production in spring ball. But when you see somebody like Jose, you, you were down, you got to see him in the combine, you got to see him in Vegas. How big, how big is those outside factors, our former players, in what you're trying to accomplish here right now, too? Yeah, it probably plays the biggest factor in recruiting that we can point to those guys and say, if your aspiration is to play in the NFL, we have people who can do that. Um, and then, you know, Jose has not left for the NFL yet. We try to kick him out of the building. We see him darn near every day. I mean, he's just hanging out and lifting. So his influence, certainly on our defense and on the guys that are coming back, uh, remains strong, even though he's not on the team. So it's helped in both regards. What was your takeaway from his pro day effort, the combine, this whole process? Because it's been an eye-opening experience. We've seen Max do it, but now Jose and City really both are yeah. catching the attention of, of scouts. Yeah, really, really happy for them, but not surprised. I mean. We've always thought that those two were two of the best in the country at what they did. And so for them to go to compete at the combine and put up some of the best times and numbers and um, not surprising, but really, really happy for them. They've worked hard and, and they've earned it. Should have asked you this at the start, but save the emotional one for now. You talk about getting elevated to that defensive coordinator role. It's a role you've been in before, and I know you've wanted to get back to. You give a lot of praise to Neil Nethery, but what does it mean for Chris Creighton to tap you on the shoulder and say, I trust you with this responsibility? Because there's a lot of great candidates out there. There's a lot of people who could have been brought in, but it stays within the program and goes to you. Yeah, it means a lot to have that confidence from coach. And uh, frankly, it's a motivator that every day when I don't feel like I'm living up to the job or I don't feel like I'm, you know, I feel like uh, it's not a pressure. It's very much a responsibility. It's an honor that he did. So um, I was excited when he said Coach Johnson, Tabor Johnson and I were going to do it. And now that Tabor's with the Philadelphia Eagles, I got to step it up even more. Coach Ben Needham, uh, final moments here with you. You look at this, we're a few weeks away from the spring game. What do you still want the most accomplishments or that you're looking for the most of this next couple of weeks before people really get their first glance in, in real-time fire out of the spring game? Yeah, we have three spring goals as a defense. We call them the three E's, and it's effort, execution, and explosives. And then we have a number that we put on each of those. We did not meet all three of those goals in the same practice until practice seven. So it took us almost halfway through spring ball. So uh, we know that we're not going to be perfect, but in all three of those areas, it would be great if by the spring game, we were going three for three uh, on those goals and, and building on what we had in practice seven and eight. Coach, we appreciate your time. Really look forward to it. Congrats again for being in this role. And wait, one more thing, Alex. Well, and I was just going to give you a fair warning and we're going to do it publicly. Neil Nethery gave us, you know, he had a strict rule with me one time in the spring, one time in the fall. I'm telling you right now, the expectation has risen. I need you at least a couple times in the spring and a couple times in the fall. Can you commit to our listeners right now? Of course, man. I love talking to you guys and love Eagle Nation. So anytime, glad to chat. Spring game coming up on the 14th. You'll get the first chance to see the defense out there on the field, that opportunity. Whether you're in the D or out at sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. 
past the midpoint of spring ball, and we're joined by the head football coach at Eastern Michigan, and Chris Creighton. What's your biggest takeaway so far for spring? I mean, you're halfway through. Is where you hope to be at this point in the, the spring? I think we're in a good uh, in a good place, and and by that I mean, um, you know, we've got a good feel for who we are and all the work that still needs to be done. I think I've felt this way before spring started that, you know, we feel really good about the people that we have um, in our program. And uh, there's, you know, a number of guys that got to keep getting better and stepping up. We've lost some good players. We have a lot of good players that are coming back and a lot of good players that are stepping up and a great class coming in. So it's really, you know, part of the process, you know, middle of the spring, it's not perfect. Uh, We're getting better. Um, and, uh, and we're having fun, you know, it's just it's the best part of the day, you know, when you're out here coaching these guys out here playing or in the film room, um, just really enjoy being with, with these guys. How do you go about in the spring balancing, getting the needed reps for returners, but also ensuring you get enough time and development for those guys who, you know, you're going to need. Yeah, no, it works out pretty good. You know, we don't do scout teams. So everybody, it's what I love about the spring is that every offensive player um, is playing in our offense and is getting coached. Every guy on our defense is playing our defense and is getting coached. And then the same with the special teams, you know, when you get, through camp and you start getting into game planning and all that there's guys that you know do individual but then they're going and playing the other team and so um there's plenty of time to get everybody reps um and you know we get some opportunities to actually play football and you know the rest of the days we're really working fundamentals and technique and teaching scheme and i love i do i just love the process of seeing these guys learn and grow and uh it's happening we talk a lot about about the development of the program over the nine going on 10 years in the fall. How much has the spring programming developed since you've been here? How important is those developments for what you see come about in the fall? Well, it's a major part of the process for the fall. You know, if I'm hearing you right, I don't know that we've we've tooled around with uh, spring um, about, you know, how we do it. But largely it's been you know, pretty similar over the last, you know, 10 years, you know, we did something new today and in, in Skelly, which is, you know, people call seven on seven where we, we did the O and D line one-on-one. We did it sort of a, a two on three during the Skelly and called it a team Skelly. And so there's some things that we experiment with. And, and I think the, you know, the immediate reaction from the coaches was that it was good. And, and uh, so there's, there's things that we are always trying to improve and get better, but the overall, you know, you, crush it in terms of the culture and lifting and running, you know, in the winter and you're playing football in the spring, get a little bit of a break. And then the summer is getting, you know, into football shape. Um, and then, uh, you know, some occasional check-ins with the NCAA allows, you know, with the football piece, um, getting ready for camp. And so, um, it's a huge part of the process. How much last year, of course, it was, you talked about the winter conditioning, helping set the tone for so much of last year. How do you much, do you think that has been the same changed or different from a year ago in setting the tone for the spring? Uh, it's good. I mean, it was new last year. And so it was kind of like a, wow this is, you know, really different and we worked really, really hard. And so I think the guys, um, you know, obviously knew what was coming. Um, it wasn't any easier. Uh, but I think that they, you know, even, you know, responded better. I mean, our, our gains, so to speak, um, you know, we're, uh, we're really, really good again. I think the investment, the commitment, that piece, I think is, uh, we're in really good shape. 
One of the great challenges that comes with being a stable and moving forward program is that sometimes you lose people, both players and coaches. There's been some change on the staff that's uh, happened this spring. You've lost a couple of coaches, obviously Neil Nethery, a big one to retirement. You've lost a couple to the NFL. But on the flip side, you've been able to bring back some people and hire really good coaches. And then some that have already been a part of this program. You've brought back Mike Pike, notably a couple of years ago. You bring back Tate Omley, two-parter here. What does it mean to, to see coaches grow and then move on to what their next step is? But also, how, impre- how, uh, how nice is it for you to have enough of a pipeline and a program built here that you can give people that were once here in, in different roles an opportunity to come back and impact the student-athletes once again? Uh, there, there's so many neat advantages to you know being at a place for you know, not a short time. Um, and so the first part of the question, you know, for, for coach Sewell, um, you know, uh, was here for, uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, um, poured everything that he has uh, into this program, took over the special teams and just did an awesome job. I just saw him again yesterday. I'm so happy for him and his family, you know, to have a chance with the uh, Arizona Cardinals and he'll, he'll be awesome. Like I'm proud of the Cardinals for hiring him. I mean, it's just a great decision, you know, and then uh, coach Johnson um, was literally a godsend. And then like he was sent from God, you know what I mean? With what we, you know, went, I don't know, you know, how you went through our going through and all of that, um, you know, back on mother's day with coach Reed and, um, for, for coach Reed to be here, um, uh, excuse me for coach Johnson to be here was just like a godsend. And, uh, you know, would have loved to coach with him for the rest of my career. Um, but the Eagles were really smart. Um, and, uh, so we're going to miss him, but like, you know, even though it was a short time period, I just, honestly, it was the way it was supposed to be. Um, and then Peyton McCollum, who's been our offensive analyst came to us from the university of Washington is now on with, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. So we've got three, three coaches that are now in the national football league. Um, and none of them returned my calls and none of them, you know, <laughs> returned my text. Um, so super happy for those guys. And then, um, yeah, you know, Coach Pike, I think I started recruiting him when he was 17 years old, you know, went and quarterback two state championships and then was our four-year starter at Drake and got to um, coach him as a, as a GA, coach with him as a GA. And, and now he's uh, coaching our quarterbacks and running our offense, you know, it's just awesome. He's great at it. Um, and then so Tate Omley was actually coaching with Pike here in 16 and 17 and just won a national championship at Hutch as a defensive coordinator and played in another one. And so he knows this place, he knows our culture. And, um, so it's great having him back and, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just part of it. Is that the biggest advantage of bringing people back outside of obviously your familiarity with them? They understand what the program is and the culture. Does that allow them to hit the ground running a little bit more in terms of getting in with the student athletes, getting on the recruiting trail? Or is that something that things have changed over the last four or five years and there, there's an adjustment period for them as well? Both, both are true. Both are true. It's definitely a head start and they know, you know what I mean? The culture of the program and all of those things, they're still having to get to know the players that they haven't, you know, met and the recruits and all of that. So both things are true. Um, and it's not just that they were here before they did an awesome job. You know what I mean? I knew when those guys were here, it was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be coaching with those guys someday, you know, and you know, you got Shaq Van who's out at the university of Washington now with, with uh, coach DeBoer and coach Grubb and coach McKeefree and coach Fink and all that, and just getting better. And you know what I mean? Um, unless he starts, you know, ignoring my texts <laughs> and calls too, you know, hopefully there'll be a day when we get to work together. A couple more minute, moments here with head coach, Chris Grayton. You look at this, you're past the midpoint of spring. A lot, you had some holes on the offensive and defensive lines. You got two guys that the scouts are drooling over that 
they, they've had a combine activities, but how do you go about making sure that the O and D line, because that's where it starts up front are ready and are moving in the direction that you feel comfortable. What would you say so far has been their biggest development this spring? You know, on the offensive line, it, you know, it wasn't just city. I mean, you know, you've got Bates um, who graduated and, and Marcellus, you know, decided to leave. Um, and so we brought actually, you know, three guys in at this semester who are really coming along well. And you redshirted some guys too last. Oh yeah. 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 No, our, our offensive line. I mean, that is always a group that goes by committee. It always is. I mean, it's just, it is one position. And uh, so we feel good about the, about the whole um, for sure. Now I will say this, you know, city, um, you know, was a dominant, you know, player. Um, and so I think though the sum of the parts, the whole, you know what I mean? We have a chance to be yep. really good. And then Jose, I think it's a, it's a great challenge for, for our defensive line. Um, everybody knows how special Jose was and, uh, but we got a lot of pieces back, you know, on our defensive line and guys who are, are really, really capable. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's just, it's part of it. Um, but I think there will be, if, if we are, you know, reaching our full potential, um, we'll be in really good shape. Easy to talk about city Jose, the, the performances they both had at the combine, but also Proto. You also had a group of other student athletes that got to finish up their career this year with the bull, the bull win, and then perform at a pro day that had the most attendance by NFL teams and professional scouts that you've ever had. Just your thoughts on the pro day that was a little bit over a week ago now. And, uh, your hopes for, for that group moving forward. Yeah. I mean, we, we already know that, uh, you know, Taylor Powell got an invite, um, you know, with the lions and, um, to, to work out with them. And, you know, we, uh, yeah, there's, there's other guys that I don't know that anything's happened yet. Um, I'm not necessarily the first to know, uh, but guys performed really well. And, uh, I'll tell you something that was cool too. City was talking to coach Coughlin a week or so before, you know, the pro day. And he said, you know, um, I'm excited, you know, with all of these people coming, you know, to our pro day for the guys that, you know, really need that opportunity who didn't get the combine. Right. And uh, I mean, that just kind of speaks, I think, to the culture, you know, the program here city with, you know, some unbelievable lifelong dream opportunities. And he's thinking about, you know, the other guys that are going to be able to get some serious looks at our pro day. And, you know, some of that because, you know, cities and Jose have attracted so much attention. So proud of those guys and how they how they worked. And yeah, we'll see what happens. Fans will get the first chance for them publicly to, to take in this team when they come out on the spring game on Friday, April 14th. What do you want them to see and come really take a look at when they sit in the stands for that first time and watch this team in 2023? Yeah, so... um well, I, I think that we're going to do a lot, um, you know, without going to the ground, which will be a little bit different than what we've done before, but it will still be a, a, a really good um, look at our entire team, you know, because everybody's going to get a chance to get out there and get reps. And, you know, by, by opportunity 15, you know, I mean, guys are knowing what they're doing at that point and, you know, things have been cleaned up. And so uh, should get a pretty good feel for, you know, what things are going to look like. Coach will be excited too, because the first 500 people that come through the gate are going to get a, uh, blocky baseball cap. So that'll be a big one. I know coach is a big fan of the hats. So we might have to save one for him too. I love it. I love it. You guys are on it, man. We're That's working good. on some hard hats and some, uh, some, some wrenches too. Uh, that wow. Are in the works. So Let's go. coach, appreciate your time. As always, we know you've got a few weeks left in the spring camp, but we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks as always for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. 
This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.